0: 40 years ago, only four states allowed for legal wine shipments to consumers. Today, 45 states allow shipments with restrictions from out-of-state wineries, but only 13 states and D.C. allow direct shipments from retailers. Shipping spirits is even more restrictive. So on today's episode, we chat with a gentleman whose company is making it easier for small to mid-sized producers to direct ship. Our discussion is about the challenges and opportunities wineries have shipping direct and through three-tier distribution, and our tip of the week concerns the best method to ship free samples to media contacts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and make sure you give us a rating and review. I'm Michael Weinbickler, and it's time to hit the bottle.
1: Welcome to Hit The Bottle podcast, a practical guide to beverage marketing through the lens of strategy, technology, and leadership. From exploring the buyer journey, to leveraging modern public relations, to how marketing automation is changing the way we engage with customers. Hit The Bottle goes above and beyond the ordinary to ask and answer the right questions. Each week we chat with industry experts, explore practical applications, and discuss the newest trends. All to provide you with the insights and strategies you need to create successful marketing programs. It's time to hit the bottle.
0: My next guest has a broad experience working in numerous industries such as technology, human resources, finance, and manufacturing. He has always been an early proponent of technology to streamline processes and make companies more efficient. In 2006, he co founded Zero Link Markets and launched VinoShipper.com a year later to help solve compliance woes for small to medium-sized wineries contending with an ever-changing and complex regulatory and tax environment. Today, VinoShipper has over 1,500 clients around the country. Welcome to the show, Stephen Harrison.
2: Hey, Mike. I appreciate you uh, inviting VinoShipper and myself here to, uh, to your podcast. Much appreciated. Well, we're happy you're here.
0: Before we get too far into the interview, would you share with listeners how
2: they might contact you? Sure. I mean, most of our information can be obtained at VinoShipper.com. Everybody can also contact us through customer service at either customer service at Venoshipper.com or by phone at 866-678-8466 and uh, myself personally at Stephen at Venoshipper.com.
0: And what are some of the challenges that these beverage producers might face when they're trying to implement a DTC strategy?
2: So everybody looks at DTC, of course, um, which is a fantastic opportunity for for many ideas and in, in terms of uh, maximizing profit margin, controlling their brand and their pricing, and you know building their relationships directly with their buyers um but that said people jump on in but the biggest challenges typically is when they jump in is is figuring out and we just look at this from a compliance perspective um to start with um which is the cost the licensing permits the bonds the registrations the the rules and regs that people have in the background such as age verification um challenging and changing tax uh Tax legislation that keeps changing, and you know with the Wayfarer case recently um, has caused you know a, a lot of changes in the market. So the biggest challenges is just it's like, I want to sell, but oh my God, what do I have to do to get through through all of these things? Um, and you know, running those websites now with the latest challenges from the ADA requirements, I mean, I could keep going on about the different challenges, there's payment methods. Dealing with mobile and, and tablet devices um, and also the concept out there of like everybody wants an Amazon experience um, and the the wine industry and the liquor industry itself does not lend itself to necessarily being a straight up Amazon experience, buy today, get delivered eight hours later on your doorstep. So a lot of good challenges around um, around that aspect of it, for sure.
0: Well, the ADA thing is something that we'll be covering in a, in a separate episode. Um, but but in, the, in, the, in the meantime, okay, so um, we've got all those challenges. So what is available out there to help people work through
2: those? So many companies, you know, go to um, their local compliance um, people in terms of forgetting advice, et cetera um but actually in terms of the uh tools that are out there they're quite limited there there are a hundred shopping cart providers um so wineries jump online they get their shopping cart up um but that really is 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 not the point um and again we we look at the marketplace very differently um we we attract um sort of our client base on the basis of us coming from the compliance aspect of the whole market. What is required to sell? Um, you know, how do they sell it? Where do they sell it? What are the regulations? What are the restrictions? And so, you know, that is that is really the, the overall way that we look at it um, to try and solve these problems for folks. So there's, there's not a there's not a huge amount of tools out there. There's there's um, some great reporting tools that have been out there. Um, but everybody ends up sort of going and finding five or six applications and trying to stitch them all together. Um, which is an approach that uh, we saw and, and and wanted to do something different.
0: Okay, then so how does Vino Shipper help producers overcome
2: these obstacles? So we have a number of approaches to this. Um, when we first started out, our big thing was to do what we would call a, a vertical stack. Um, so taking on all of the aspects, uh, firstly from developing a compliance engine that had all the rules, regulations, etc., cetera, and then building the tool set on top of that. We often see that somebody will develop a shopping cart and, and work backwards. Um, we found that uh, when it came to DTC that the most important thing out there was actually to build the compliance engine first um, because without that aspect of it, there wasn't much way forward. You could do a lot of marketing, you could get orders, but then how would you compliantly manage those? So we built a full stack um, from the ground upwards from compliance outward, as it were. Um, so you know to help people get through. Looking at this and and building a back office system for them.
0: Hmm. So then, how do you differ from similar solutions? You start at the compliance side and then work your way forward, rather than starting at the shopping cart side and working your way backward.
2: Yeah, that would be. That, that I mean, that would be the main thing. Um, you know, the other side of it is then. Um, we actually as as how we've developed out our business model. So we have this compliance stack and set of tools on top of it. Um, But we are also a wine company ourselves. Um, And so we run and manage wine programs and also help uh, our clients expand the reach of their existing brands um, by licensing those brands from them. So there's a number of aspects uh, to, we sort of live and breathe the story that we tell as well. So if they're a small brand, and they need to sell, then we're selling to alongside them. So um, we we have that experience in the marketplace. But again, it's all compliance based. And, and that again, becomes our focus.
0: That's interesting. So you know, what challenges they're going to run into. But do any of your clients also see you as a competitor?
2: No, not at all. Um, you know, again, from a from a client perspective uh their big piece is to expand their market and that's what we directly do with them uh so we're uh some people use us exclusively some use us partially and and therefore we become partners uh with their brand strategy um, to help them build the expansion of of where their product uh, can actually um, reach and so sort Vino of shipper. Um, as would be the branding as such for our platform that enables all of that. So whether they have permits and need help managing them, uh, whether they want to license us brands to help us uh, or help them expand their sales, uh, there's a number of different uh, processes that we go through to do that. And again, having it so that we can work with them and manage from the sales transaction all the way through to the logistics and the the actual reporting uh, makes a huge difference. Um, and you know, in these small businesses, which again is where we target as a, as a business, um, you know, time is time is of the essence for them, and and they don't have that much time because they're actually working out in the vineyards, etc. And so, the more time we can give them back, uh, the better off they are.
0: Hmm. Okay. So. To help, uh, help listeners understand how this all works, can you give me a practical scenario in which one of your clients is already employing Vino Shipper?
2: Sure. So, you know, many of our clients that come to us, um, most of it is by word of mouth, through recommendations through their, their friends in the industry. Um, typically, they will come, they'll have a website, they'll be establishing their brand and they want to expand their brand Uh, beyond their own borders. And it's interesting that um, we we bump into clients around the country that they would sort of not get a direct ship permit in their own state because they don't want to pay their state even more money for a permit. Here in California, we're kind of lucky in terms of if you've got a winery permit or a retail permit, you can sell within the state quite freely. In other states, they may have a winery permit, but they have to get additional permits. And so, you know, we'll encourage them because eighty percent of their transactions are probably going to happen within their home state, and not necessarily right next door, but where they can pop in and pick them up. But you know, shipping around their own state, so it's pretty important. So they'll come to us, and 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 they'll, um, you know, they'll have this website, and and essentially they can they can join, sign up on our platform, um, we give them a, a shopping cart that they can very quickly in just a few minutes. Um, and within that shopping cart, all of the compliance rules, regulations, age verification, taxes, shipping, everything is in just a single stack so they, they don't have to worry about getting another set of tools there. And then alongside that, which is you know I'm sure it will be a podcast in itself, um, which is their ability to build very rapidly a wine club build the relationships through there. And we have that tool set there again, which can be deployed quickly. So typically they come to us, they've got a site, they drop in a tool set of wine wine club and shopping cart. Um, and then they're, they're, they're off and running pretty quickly. And it's, it's, a, it's an end-to-end solution. They, they have a transaction, they're told about it, print off the packing slip straight away, print off the UPS label. Press a button, UPS comes out to them, picks up the package and off it goes. And, and because it's a single stack, there's no reason to re-enter data anywhere. And then the reports are available for them online as well for their sales and excise tax, et cetera. So the, you know, the small guy that, that, that's uh, you know, a mom and pop type thing and, and uh, you know, they're out there and it, this, this solves a great number of problems for them very quickly.
0: Okay, so how did, um, how did Vino Sherpa come to be?
2: So really it's, it's uh, you know, my, my, all my kids went to uh, school up in Healdsburg at St. John's. And a lot of the parents up there were, were in the wine industry. Um, and I would constantly hear about the, the woes of, of uh, uh, having to deal with compliance and regulations and taxes and online sales, et cetera. And I just thought having with my background in the tech business and uh, having worked down through that, it's like, this is just such a software application waiting to happen. And um, so we, we interviewed a few wineries, uh, got told that we were, why were we talking to them? Why weren't we getting on building it? Um, and so we, we went off and we, we developed an extremely strong regulatory team of attorneys with us. Um, and also got ourselves a strong board of directors for advice. and we went about built the basic application and and, and launched out from there. And at uh, this point you know it's uh, been very successful. We're greatly received by our client base, which is growing in itself pretty rapidly. Um, and so you know we have clients in every single state around the country now and and we're helping. Um, expand their brands and and getting them into the marketplace. And we see a lot of of different things, you know, because we do the small wineries and we also run some national brands for alumni associations and places like that. So we get to see a a great deal of spectrum of what's out there and what's happening in the DTC world. But, you know, our our, our fundamental is approaching it from the compliance first and making sure everything stays compliant for, for our clients.
0: So what's next for Vino Shipper?
2: So that's a great question. So, um, you know, part of the, there's, there's a number of steps that are taking place. One is the continued expansion of our tool set, um, particularly in the wine club management side of, of things. Um, we, ha- we actually run a monthly um, online class uh, for clients and non-clients about wine clubs, starting a wine club and running a wine club um, that is attended extremely well every month. Um, And we've also started partnering uh, with um, associations around the country. So uh, here in California, we've got the Family Winemakers of California, uh, Tennessee Wine Growers Association, the Wisconsin Wine Growers Association, um, Santa Cruz Mountains, wine growers, and a lot of these places are looking uh, to support their, uh, their customer base, their, their membership now, um, in, in looking at various ways to bring them together to sell product both in their local markets and, and more nationally. Um, and then, then in bigger segments like the cider market and the mead market, um, where we run a couple of websites, that bring transactions and, and bring people into one place. So you know the market the market is pretty huge. Uh, it's very young still. a uh, lot of things going on, especially um, now with the the Tennessee case that the Supreme Court case that just happened, which will impact compliance going forward. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes in the market. And and the demographics out there of what they're looking for these days—they they want a lot of change. They they like to experiment, um, so you know us supporting the smaller wineries around the country and and cideries and eateries, uh, which are also clients of ours. Um, you know that that becomes a a a great opportunity, and I think for the most part. A lot of people in the DTC space are seeing that uh, we're all really just scratching the surface. There's some struggles that the industry has, uh, which, you know, um, just about the practical nature of the product. It's heavy. It's bulky. For the most part, it's made of glass. And um, so there's, there's uh, I'm going to say, uh, difficulties in terms of moving the product. It's not going to wipe out the three-tier system as much as uh, some people would think, but it and, or would portray that it is, um, but it's a very important thing, and it it's, it supports the agriculture and the hospitality industry greatly. Uh, having many of these small wineries out there that can, and making sure that they can get their their product to the, the consumer at the end of the day. Um, so I think you know there's there's a there's a lot out there, but we definitely see a large market um, and lots of opportunities, and you know we're we're excited by what we see.
0: Stephen, thanks so much for being on the show today. Um, it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you, and um, quite insightful. I'd I'd like to have you back on the show at
2: some later date. Sure, I really appreciate, it, Mike. It's uh, yeah, the podcast that you're doing is uh, is very good, and uh, it's uh, I look forward to hearing this and and also um, listening to future podcasts as well.
0: We're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with a discussion after that. Here's a message from our sponsor. She's the founder, CEO, and resident wine geek at LibDib. She spent 20 years managing sales and marketing for her family's winery. She came to the realization that the beverage industry needs efficient distribution options for craft distilleries and family-owned wineries to be successful on their own terms. Hence, LibDib was born. Welcome to the show, Cheryl Dursey.
3: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's,
0: it's great having you here. Thanks so much for joining us. She's the Bonnie to my Clyde, the Spaghetti to my Meatballs, VP of Client Services at Ballzac Communications and Marketing, Miss Emma Criswell. How are you, Emma?
4: Hello, hello. I'm well, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks a bunch, uh, both of you, for joining us for this discussion today. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, winery shipping and wine shipping in general. Um, as we know, it has an uh, alcoholic beverage, it's regulated and there's all kinds of complications when it comes to, um, shipping wine, uh, especially direct to consumers. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm hoping that we can explore a little bit today about, um, you know, what, uh, some of the best practices are out there. What are some of the pitfalls that people fall into? Um, you know, and some of the other options as well. So, um, Cheryl, thanks for being on the show. Um, you worked with your family winery for 20 years. And I'm sure this is an, uh, this was a, an issue that came up on a frequent basis. So can you share some thoughts?
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's interesting. When I first started working at the winery, um, it was a felony to ship into the state of Florida. So it's kind of been really interesting, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been interesting to see where the industry has gone. I know there's been a lot of great work done by a number of wineries and Free the Grapes and a number of different organizations to open up markets for direct shipping, and it's grown to a multi-billion-dollar marketplace. So that's been exciting to see over my career. I, um, when I was at Chance, I, you know, obviously you want to do as much as you can to expand your direct to consumer sales and have more um more shipping and more tasting room sales and more wine club um, signups uh, versus you know because you're you're getting higher margin so we did a number of things especially on site at the in the tasting room that would be kind of our best way of getting people kind of in and say hey you know join the wine club get your regular shipments and Get on the list for special deals and things like that Um, and then we would market to them kind of digitally and then also you know as they would get a shipment you'd always put things in the box there's all kinds of fun little kind of marketing tricks that we learned along the way
0: Uh, you just shared a few of those marketing tricks but any anything else that you can share
3: yeah i mean so i one of the things i've always looked at a shipment as a point of customer customer touch point, right? So when you're sending out a shipment, you should always include something in the box about another shipment. So um, you, we would do, oh, here's a sale on cab or here is, or even just um, or a note about a wine dinner that we, we might be having in that particular market. Um, I, you know, that was like, that was kind of easy, the easy thing to do because it was already going and they were already a captive audience once they would receive it. Um, so, you know, so in that box of any, any kind of marketing, I think was, was really important. We, we would also do a pretty, um, steady email campaign after, after the shipment to get people to reorder. So say, Hey, did you like the cab or this cab won an award? Um, and we would just, you know, kind of hit them, um, in a marketing sequence based on what they received in their shipment. Um, especially, you know, for those regular wine club members.
0: And so how successful was that, that with
3: the, that was pretty good. I, you know, I, over the year, I, it's been interesting. I haven't, you know, I haven't been working at the winery as much, but what I've read a lot, um, over, you know, a number of different publications about a number of different wineries is that, you know, wine clubs are, they're, they're sort of stagnant. They're not necessarily growing at the rate that they used to. So I think it's, and I think that's just because you have such a change in, in the consumer these days, they're not necessarily as, um, customer loyal or I mean, as brand loyal as, as they used to be, and they like to try different things. Um, so I think that it's, you know, it's time for wineries to get creative with their clubs and with their, with their shipments and with their brands in general, in order to kind of keep that customer's attention, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, uh, on that. And we're actually going to have a episode on, on wine clubs at a later date. But, uh, you know, one of the, one of the challenges, okay. So you've got the wine club, you've got your wine clubers, you, you're marketing to them, you're selling them wines, but you know, how, you know, what are some of the, some of the challenges that, that arise when it comes to getting the wines to them? Yeah. So,
3: you know, there It's great now because there's some, you know, a lot of states have opened up, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can just start shipping into a state. Um, You have to, most states, you have to get a separate license in order to ship. That's, there's a cost for that. And then you have to report to each state what your taxes are. I mean, that's a big part of why these states opened up and why they did all these direct to consumer rules and regulations is so that they can get their tax, right? That's what they want. So there's still a lot of work, even after you've shipped it, there's a lot of work, either you have either through a software program like ship compliant or something like that, or doing it on your own to make sure that you are reporting, not only your shipments, but your tax, your taxes. Also, you know, in some states, you got to keep an eye on it because there's limitations on how much you can ship to people. And, um, so it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I highly recommend having a software program to keep track of it, but you have to have a person who's going to manage that software program. So some of these, some of the small wineries, it's a real challenge, just keeping up with that and being in every state that they, you know, if they want to try to be in a direct shipper.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I live in Ohio right now and it's, Uh, God, I am very aware of all the differences in shipping. I mean, for instance, I can get wine delivered to me both where I live now and also at my mother's house in a different county, but I can't get spirits shipped to me here, but I can get them shipped to my mom's, which is all technically in a dry county. And none of that makes any oh, sense that's to crazy. me. Yeah, so I really don't know how um, DTC you know, wineries do this kind of shipping and figuring it all out. So definitely commend you on that.
3: Yeah, well, shipping for for wineries, it's definitely opened up and a lot easier than it is. Like distilleries have very few options. Like it's in most cases, distilleries cannot ship over state lines direct to consumer. They have to go through a retailer. And those retailers can't ship over a lot of state lines. So it's really, really even more constrained than the wine industry is. But, um, and a lot of times what I found with wineries is like, these permits are kind of expensive. And you think about it, okay, how many dollars per case do I want to spend on a permit into a state where I don't know how much I'm going to sell into so it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of kind of coordinating and planning. And sometimes it might just be easier to work with a larger retailer like wine.com or something that ships to all the States, um, depending on what wholesaler they're purchasing from. Mm-hmm.
4: And I know from just from a PR perspective, working with us, it's much easier when uh, people are writing about our, our clients to send them a link from wine.com, nine times out of mm-hmm. 10, it's a wine.com link that we send. We do mm-hmm. have a few who sell directly on their website and that's really helpful because that gets people to where they are and to their specific marketing initiatives. But
1: mm-hmm. a lot
4: of the time it really has to be something national like that to make it easier.
3: Right. And wine.com carries, and it's, it's great here at LibDev. I've been working with wine.com since the very beginning and um, they're a great customer of ours because we, we kind of, we represent all that those very, very small wineries that wouldn't be able to get distribution and wine.com likes to buy from, you know, they pretty much only buy from distributors. So we work with them in California and New York. And once we kind of expand to every other state, then that means those wineries will have national coverage, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Because they, otherwise, they wouldn't be able to get distribution because they're just too small.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that is definitely a challenge and it's something that um, we've um, encountered with some of our clients who, you know, are around the 5,000, 10,000 case production level is that, you know, they say, well, I want to get some, I want to get a distributor in this particular area. And, you know, the, often enough times the, the answer that I give them is, sorry, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand that well, you now might have say
3: go check it out- now. Go check. Yeah, exactly. Go check out LibDib. <laughs>
4: exactly.
0: Well, that's awesome.
3: Yeah. That's, and that's, yeah, we're trying. And I think a big part of what we're doing is solving that national ability or that ability to be shipped nationally for a lot of diff- of our different suppliers. So it's, um, as you know, we're only in four states right now, but we have 14 licenses that we're working on. So as soon as we scale, it'll definitely be a, a big, a much more viable option for the small wineries. The, you know, the whole lawsuit, the Supreme Court thing in Tennessee, where they, uh, the now the retailers are going to have the ability to ship to consumers, um, potentially across state lines, I think opens up a lot of competition for wineries. And wineries are going to need to, you know, step up their game when it comes to marketing and having that direct, to, that direct connection with their customer and keeping them engaged with their brand. And they might even be competing with themselves because, you know, if you think about a, a wine that's going through their distributor to a retailer that can be shipped versus a wine that they're shipping directly from their winery, it could be the same wine, <laughs> but coming from different places.
4: Would the pricing differ?
3: I, you know it depends on what the winery has for their FOB price to their distributor it could be less it could be more
0: yeah it really <laughs> i mean cuz the the producer has no control over pricing at the retail level so yeah i mean it could be it could be less you know shipping could be less you know if you combine the wines with uh, some other producer then, you know, yeah, you could possibly be competing with, with, your, with your own wines and yeah. <laughs> you're getting a lot less margin on that because you aren't selling exactly. them direct.
3: Yeah, it's going all the way through, you know, it's going through the three-tier system, which I'm, of right. course, in support of. But it's, yeah, you're, they're going to be selling it FOB to a distributor who's then selling it to a retailer who's then marking it up by anywhere from 20 to
0: 40%. That could be a scary scenario for those producers that have a lot of DTC income. Because if they're selling both through three tier and in and direct to consumer, then yeah, that could be a potential conflict, and they might see their DTC sales drop.
3: Yeah, I I think that it's that they're you know again just gonna have to work harder to get those connections with their with their customers. Yeah,
4: that's really complicated just listening to you talking about the details of it right now. It's kind of hard to wrap my mind around, let alone what they're able to do down there to you know work it out for themselves.
0: Give me the pluses and minuses of direct shipping versus going through the three-tier system.
3: Sure. So, pluses, you know, is is more margin. <laughs> You're going to make more money. Um, you're also going to have that direct connection with your consumer, um, which I think is, and, 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 and having the wine and the distributor experience together, I think is unique because I believe that direct shipping and three tier distribution can exist and actually help a brand build a brand, um, in any one particular market. So I think that, uh, The pluses of three-tier distribution is that you can have that on-premise experience kind of tied into your direct-to-consumer shipping. So if someone's in Boston, Massachusetts and happens to be in your wine club, they can receive shipments of of your wines and then go into a restaurant and, oh, hey, here's, here's this brand recognition of your wines. I also think it can coincide with retailers because, oh, I can buy these really specialty wines direct from the winery. And, oh, when I go to a retailer to pick up a bottle for a party or to uh, have something kind of that I need right then and there. Oh, I see your brand and I know your brand because I'm familiar with it from my direct to consumer experience. So I think that, you know, the minuses of the three tier system are the reasons why my company exists. It's hard to get a distributor. Um, I think that sometimes it can be really expensive to be in distribution. If you're going kind of that traditional distribution route, you have to get a wholesaler, launch it, work with the, um, work exactly, work with the sales reps to get it out into the market. Now, what I'm doing with our platform is we're trying to kind of, you know, we're that distributor, but we're trying to create that direct connection between the, the buyers and the, the wineries. So we're hoping to solve that that issue of if you need distribution, you can have distribution, um, and if you want to have those direct relationships, you can have that too.
0: Wow, that sounds like a really great hybrid solution, and something that's kind of breaking breaking the current, almost kind of breaking the current monopoly that a lot of distributors have on the on the wine business.
3: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I, you know, they, there's kind of. I've learned a lot about the distribution market since I've been doing this. And, you know, they, the the distributors spend a lot of time with their really big suppliers. And that makes sense from a business standpoint, because they need to focus on where they're getting their revenue from. But there's this long tail of the industry that I think is the right time right now to be focusing on getting out into the market because that's what consumers want. Consumers are really interested in authenticity. They're interested in family owned. They're interested in small production. And it's just hard to get through the three tier system based on the current business model of a lot of the distributors. So hopefully we can, can change that a bit. Um, we do work with a big distributor. My partner is RNDC in a national sense, um, helping with our logistics, but, um, you know, we're still kind of doing this thing with all of our small producers and it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been going really well. And we're able to bring some really cool wines to some, some great on and off premise accounts throughout our markets.
0: That's great. So, um, Emma, any final thoughts here before we wrap up on, uh, on winer shipping?
4: I, mean, I just think it's fascinating, and I wish it was a lot easier to get it to the 50 United States. And I'm glad that there are people like Cheryl who are making it easier for everyone. and I just hope that it continues in that direction.
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, this is something that we've been talking about for 20 years. Um, it is uh, to, to Cheryl's point it is a lot better now than it has been in the past. Um, but it, you know, we're looking at it being even better as we move forward so uh cheryl why don't you give a slight plug to libdib and tell people how they can get a hold of you
3: great um so libdib.com is the best way to go check out the platform see what we're doing we're in four markets right now so if you want three-tier compliant distribution in four states we're in california new york wisconsin and colorado we have a number of new states coming online in the next six months, so even if you're not interested in any of those states, sign up and stay uh, informed on what we're doing and where we're going. We have a lot of cool things coming out, So and, and thanks for the opportunity to to be here. Um, I'm all about small wineries and how we can help get them to market, so I look forward to, um, to working with anyone.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much for being on Hit the Bottle. And so we're going to wrap up. Uh, Thanks to Cheryl Dursey and Emma Criswell for joining me on this discussion. And um, we'll see you next week for our next discussion.
4: Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, everyone. It's Emma here with your tip of the week. In today's episode, we talked a lot about e commerce data and wine shipping. And while it's complicated for a winery to ship DTC, it's nearly impossible for those of us on the agency side to ship samples to media. On the agency side, we receive multiple requests for samples, whether it be from media, for an in kind donation, or an event sponsorship. Oftentimes, these events aren't in the same city, and we can't simply hire a messenger service to deliver the wines to our intended recipients. This is where we run into issues with shipping. Not only is it illegal to ship wines into certain states without the proper permits, as an agency, we aren't able to obtain an alcohol shipping license without a ton of red tape and paperwork. For this reason, it's really beneficial to utilize your winery client's shipping license. If you're like Balzac, sample shipping is already built into your monthly retainer and you won't be going over budget by utilizing your client's shipping options. Rather than sending sample requests as they come in, what we do is compile all sample requests over a given week or month if they aren't time sensitive and send them to the winery all at once in a spreadsheet. This way all the information is in one place and it makes the process easier on you and simpler for the simpler for the winery. Utilizing this turnkey process ends up saving a lot of headaches in the long run and is a good way and is a good way to keep in touch with your clients so that they know what kind of outreach is taking place. I hope you found this tip of the week helpful. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us via social media. Until next time. I'm Emma Criswell.
1: This has been Hit the Bottle, a production of Balzac Communications and Marketing. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this podcast, please rate and review the show. Thank you for joining us. Until next week.